want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. Uh, I know we're we got some stiff competition with uh, some other things going on in the world, the Pro Bowl and the Royal Rumble. But what better way to spend Sunday night not doing those things than to spend it with us talking about the best films of 2016? And I'm joined by our usual and lovely cohorts. Uh, sitting next to me in the studio is Mr. Sean Gay. Sean, how we doing? Greetings, everybody. All right, and way out. East in the city of New York, or close to it in the story, is uh, Mr. Alex Zarnowski. How are we doing? I'm fine. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're we're living. We're here, baby. So it's as good to all, be alive. Yes, it is. Well, for now, let's see how this. Uh, for now, all these politics yeah. things. Let's not get into that. Let's uh, talk about something uh, fun. This was a movie review. No, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about escapism and the movies that help us uh, get away from all this craziness. So. We're here today to talk about the best movies of 2016. So this is something we do annually every year. Uh, Sean and Alex are kind enough to join me every year uh, to talk about the best movies. And, and we, we put a nice little top ten list together. And then we talk about a couple other categories at the end of the show. And we have wrap it up all night. So we're going to try and keep this within an hour. Uh, so by 9.15. Ew. If you both are uh, uh, keeping an eye on the watch too. I'm going to try and uh, also try and keep time as well. But. I'm have setting exactly, my stopwatch. There you go. So, uh, I just want to start off by just kind of going through you guys here. I know we do this every year. Um, just wanted you to, if you just, Sean, if you want to start off with this here, just tell me a little bit about uh, how you felt about uh, kind of 2016 overall. Yeah, man, no problem at all. So, 2016, what can I say? Uh, I feel like this was one of those years where it was a little bit more, um, I, I enjoyed a lot of film, watched a lot, but at the same time, I wasn't really nearly as attached to some of the movies as much as uh years prior um saw some definitely uh some repeat offenders of people i usually enjoy nothing wrong with that at all um definitely uh getting away from the uh, superhero model anymore which is kind of nice a lot of really good indie sundance movies that came out this year i mean i can't really say much other than that and then Overall, like uh, even though I didn't see all the films I'd like, I really had a. I think our list will be quite a little bit more uh, all around different from years prior, where it's kind of. I feel like the Oscars were just kind of a really good indicator of what how actually the year was from the years prior. So. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that too. I think that uh, we're going to find that our lists are going to be not substantially different, but last year, I mean, we all had, I think, hatefully, and um, the Revenant all in our, within our top three, or oh, and Mad Max rather. Yeah. We, we, did we all have Mad Max as yeah. number as uh, number one or two? Number I think? one or two, yeah. One or two, yeah. yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so that and then yeah, so I mean, a lot of the similar stuff last year, and I think this year um, there'll be some different stuff because there's a lot of wildly uh, different movies that came out this year. But Alex, how did you kind of feel? Uh, overall for uh, last year's 2016 movies i felt similarly uh i think that 2016 wasn't as you know action-packed filled with uh you know a bunch of oscar t- big time oscar t- oscar contenders um but uh, in the sense that uh you know you had your you had your usual uh superhero movies and you had a couple odd ends here and there like um honorable mentions like cop captain fantastic that yes right. it's up for an oscar but it it also was just one of those it, it felt had a very indie vibe to it yes you know? um but uh in general uh i as usual didn't get to see all the movies that i wanted to see oh, of course of course um, but but um 
for the ones that I did see, uh, there were it, it, it was actually kind of difficult picking out the top ten. I, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, every year yeah. it's always, I feel like it's always difficult to pick out the top ten for the most part. Um, yeah. But I think this year I I found that I, I like enjoyed the majority of movies. Um, but fitting certain movies into the top ten, it was just like uh, just so close to try and fit some of them in, and they just, just yeah. couldn't quite squeeze them in. Um, but I mean, that kind of goes for every year, I suppose. But I will say sure. that even in general this year, no, I don't have a one hundred percent all in, definitely by far best favorite movie of twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Whereas the I'd previous years, um, like Mad Max, Whiplash, Inside Lewin Davis, those are movies I love and still love. And just think they're absolutely top notch, and they, I still would go on to say like they're the best movies, that, my favorite movies of those years, anyway. Whereas this year, I don't know uh, the number one movie that I chose. Like I don't know if it maybe probably will be just when I look back on this year. Um, it'll but it'll it'll feel more muddled in and clumped with some of my other like top five uh, movies than it being a standalone clear favorite. Yeah, I, I think I'll be kicking myself for picking my number one this year, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, we'll find out. We'll absolutely find out. And with that in mind, who should we start with? Mr. Gay, let's start with you this year. All right. So, Sean, we're going to have you go through. We're going to do a little different this year. We're going to try and speed it up uh, from years past so you guys don't have to listen to us for three and a half hours. Um, (laughs) So, Sean, I want you to – what we're going to do is you're just going to kind of briefly just list off your numbers 10 through 6. And if you want to give a brief note or two uh, about each one, sure. uh, that's fine. And then when we get to the number five, you can kind of go a little bit more in depth from five through one. So or take sure. it away. Yeah. So uh, starting at number 10 this year, I will go with a movie, more of a dark comedy. Uh, would be Other People with Molly Shannon and uh, Jesse Plemons. Uh, as well as uh, jumping back into number nine, I would go with Mr. Nicholas Winden Refn's Neon Demon. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, number eight will be, uh, Coen Brothers, Hail Caesar. Great film. Um, number seven, uh, Mr. Trackenberg's debut himself, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, number six will be Kubo and the Two Strings. Awesome. Very good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I definitely say like, um, you know, Hail Caesar is a great film. That was, that's one that a lot of people I think feel forget about. I feel like it. I feel like they were trying to maybe play with that in last year's Oscars. I just I don't think they were able to grab get it together in time. That and really just was just uh, competing with Trumbo at the time. It was almost like the same kind of vibe and yeah. feel. So I could definitely see it not wanting to be. Very true. Right. Such a good film. So Yeah. And then uh, Kubo, you're, you're going to hear me echo some of that. Um, and 10 Cloverfield Lane, where I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, those are all you know, yeah. mighty fun stuff. I mean, I highly, st- I do recommend other people for sure. It's a, a really dark comedy on a very dark subject matter of just dealing with. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, right? It is currently on Netflix still. Um, it's, uh, I believe, directed by a guy named Chris Kelly. Okay. Um, really good work. And it's. You know, it's about a writer trying to deal with family issues. So cool. All right, so now get down to the nitty gritty here. Yeah. So coming at number five this year, my uh, 2016 is none other than the wonderful, um, actually kind of really surprising film, uh, a movie called Mr. Pig with uh, Danny Glover and uh, Maya Rudolph. Uh, it's a movie about a gentleman who is kind of near at the end of his road. Um, dealing with his own financial crises as well as um, 
prognosis, and he's delivering a pig to a farmer to just sell it. So it's uh, dealing with Danny Glover, uh, you know, the great Donald himself. Um, I think it's one of these films that um, if you uh, have any kind of um, hardship or dealing with seeing family problems, specifically how um, now that we're getting older, how you really hold, handle your parents when they're deciding how they want to finish their uh, road to the next road on. I mean, it's really just a powerful movie. And I think Danny Glover and specifically Maya Rudolph does a hell of a performance that's kind of underrated this year. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, number four, um, probably the most most interesting choice that if you would have talked to me three months ago, I would have probably been not just laughing at you, but I would just be arguing. And I did argue that this movie sh- is not a movie that should be in the Oscars list, but or just in films in general. But heck of it, a documentary that blew my mind, and that's O.J. Made in America uh, by Urza Eldman. It is a compelling seven-and-a-half-hour documentary, um, pretty much starting from start to finish with such a unique perspective and point of view about such a very wide and, and discussed topic that, you know, really now has all the hard evidence to talk about it. And it's not just about the murder of O.J. Simpson. It's really about what was the whole reasoning behind everything and what the culture, especially the culture in mind during that time. So it's just a very compelling documentary. I was I was glued in from start to finish, and I never really didn't think I could sit there through seven and a half hours, but by the third hour... You just can't stop. So yeah, that's one movie that I I know that, and this is just for people listening. The this is different than the FX uh, miniseries, which mm-hmm. I also heard was really great. The one with Cuba yeah. Gooden Jr. and John Travolta. Uh, I heard that was really good. This is the, the actual documentary film, and this is up for an Oscar as well. So yeah, I know you and I were talking about like whether it's considered a movie or not because it's like really long. Yeah. Um, but because I guess I was doing some research because it was because it had a technically a theatrical release, meaning it was a, it was screened at mm-hmm. a theater. It, it's considered a, a film by those standards, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's done by the same guys who do Thirty for Thirty for ESPN, and it's just uh, if you've ever enjoyed them, this is one I would highly recommend. So very good. Yeah, um, so that would take me into uh, number three, which would be, uh, honestly, this could have easily be number one for me. That's how much I love these, one through three. So uh, coming at number three is um, the movie Green Room, uh, with none other than Sir Patrick Stewart and uh, Anton Yelkin. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Way too soon. Um, and then, of course, uh, directed by... Jeremy Solner, which is more last year, he was my fit. Well, two years ago, I yeah, believe. Yeah, it was my top film, Blue Ruin, which I still recommend. Same thriller esque, but even more, honestly, more intense in this time with neo Nazis. So um, I really recommend it from its a. If you enjoyed Blue Ruin, you'd probably really enjoy this. It's just, the intensity just gets more intense throughout the entire film. And then. The climax, just, oh my god, unbelievable. Yeah, the Green Room, you're, you're going to hear me echo a lot of that too. Green Room's a really, really awesome movie, and I, I feel the same way about Blue Ruin. I feel like Blue Ruin may be uh, cinematically more cohesive, mm-hmm. I think, as a piece of film, but you can't deny that Green Room just has these... Uh, un- I can't quite grasp what makes it so great. I think it's like the grittiness of it. Yeah, it, it's a film that, it's be, for being such a simple plot, is it unravels to be so... I don't know. You are you, you're just sucked in from start to finish. Yeah, I, it's a the, some some quite the the thrilling moments, like very much thriller as and suspense oriented. And uh, 
uh, quite gory, like <laughs> really quite graphic in like a, oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen that just uh, happen kind of way. I mean, in like main mainline cinema anyway. Yeah, there's no hiding the violence of what's happening in the situation. So Right. Um, awesome. Uh, yeah. So, and then number two coming in. A movie that I would honestly say could be, like I said, could be number one, no problem with me, but I will say The Witch uh, by Robert Eggers is is a film that I just cannot cannot um, say. If you guys have not seen a good horror film in a while, this is just, to me, picture perfect of what I consider just what I want in horror nowadays. I don't want cheap, yeah. cheap thrills or I don't need to see a slasher for the 900th time. I don't need to see Jason risen from the grave. This movie is a folk story that is just... We all know about witches, but this is just, I don't know, it's its beautiful and uh, it's scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, no, The Witch it came out back in February. It was doing some circuit runs, uh, like Sundance stuff, uh, or Cannes, one of the two, uh, earlier, late the, the year before. And I remember hearing so much buzz about it. And I was like, oh, man, I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. But what they show, like what the movie actually is, is so much more than that. And it's a simple. It's pretty simple, straightforward. But the layers of uh, the atmosphere of this film is what really 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 makes it worthwhile watching the the amount of detail that that goes into this movie from the their their dialect uh their way of speaking this mm-hmm. old english to the just macabre like color palette in these woods of like the i guess the northeast somewhere in the northeast yeah and uh, to top on that, just the child acting. Yes, the child actors are, are phenomenal. So, so for someone to be given a role and using that dialect as that age, it's unbelievable. Like it's the they just really they really just, uh, hit it home there. And I just I love everything about um, <laughs> Philip, for example. He was a lovable goat. But I mean, uh, yeah, it's Black Philip, Black Philip, yeah, Black Philip, yeah. So just highly recommend it, and it's it's. It's what I want from a horror film. I don't need to see right. endless amounts of gore for cheap or cheap uh, scare tactics. This is just to me builds up suspense. Yes, and hey, it's probably the best witch film I've ever seen. So. Yeah, Alex, did you have a chance to check out the witch? I did have a chance to check out the witch. I I concur. Um, it is one of those. It is a very dark movie in a very different way because they are exploring the you know old English and they're playing with the color palette and then yes, you have this creepy goat that's sitting yeah. in the barn and the kids are just as very, creepy very too the little kids say yeah yeah the possession of it all yeah and their 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 ideologies and their beliefs also play a big role in that as well as far as you know creeping you out and and just how how powerful it was when you know they're all there's a moment where they're all up in the in the attic or just yes. in the mm-hmm. the loft or whatever yeah. and i feel like there's this giant religious moment that takes over yes. for everybody and that is the that was one of the most terrifying uh, scenes, just in general. Just it really how was. Their beliefs could their 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 belief in something could take over so much that they would just ostracize their their own you know their own child from the yeah. family. You know. Yeah, I mean, what I what I really find interesting with this film too is the the themes of of religion are so powerful in this, um, where it will. You, you you're literally like these these the characters are literally questioning their 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 belief in yeah. you know god because obviously they're christian based and they're they're like 
taken out of their village. Well, they leave their village because of their radical kind of uh, f- uh, feeling and, and attitude oh, towards the religion. So, like, you know these people are, are a little kooky, even for the kooky people. And so they go into these woods, and then and then there's, like, themes of, you know, whether it's even happening or if it's, like, you know, just food deprivation because their crops aren't growing. And it's just, like, maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it, there's no it's, – it's ambiguous, but it's also – a combination of everything too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not one of those films where it's like, oh, I'm not sure what happened. It was real or not. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And in I'm that just... in that sense, it reminded me of the village a little bit. Right. Yeah. I can kind of get that. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Awesome. All right, Sean, what do you got for number one? And so number one this year, going with another child acting scenario that brought home the, the big number one sing street by John Carney. Uh, I cannot, I, this film was something I was not really interested at first, but as soon as I watched it, I just had to watch it again. Um, it's a musical comedy, I guess you would say almost. It's uh, it's everything you want in a film, and it's it's the acting of these children or these kids. I mean, they're not really fully on children, but like the acting of these kids is just so awesome. And the theme of it all. I mean, I wasn't even raised in the '80s, but I, it was nostalgic. Um, the right. music, it's just fun and. There's, you know, there's an, it's has some a little ambiguity to it, but it's overall just so much fun. And I mean, I wasn't scared in my pants like the witch, but I was definitely uh, laughing and having enjoying the. This, it's really the it's the montages that really makes this film, and uh, to me, it just was what I wanted from this year. So. Yeah, I gotta echo everything you're saying. Sing Street's fantastic. It's on Netflix. If you guys have any interest towards coming of age stories, '80s music, being in a band. Uh, trouble, like a family drama, uh, you know, broken up parents, like things like that. This movie encompasses all of that really, really well. It balances and handles all of these pretty high level themes that a lot of other movies will single handedly focus on. And it's able to balance and, and kind of handle all these kind of things. And then the music alone, not, not only the soundtrack where they're playing, you know, songs like Duran Duran and Hollow Notes and stuff, but actually the, the, what their band is, like the, the songs that their band Sing Street creates is like the, the catchiest stuff. I'm still listening to it. I still yep. listen to it. It's, it's, un, it's incredible. It's incredible. And like you were saying, like I didn't, I don't, I didn't grow up with this 80s music, but like I feel like now, like, oh, I really want to like listen to more of The Cure. I want to like, like, you know, mode, yeah, yeah, like exactly. I just, you know what I mean? Like I just feel like I wanted to be part of that and. Obviously, as you guys know, I have a soft spot for, like, coming to give age stories and, like, you know, movies about uh, bands and stuff like that. So, you know. And, I mean, Aiden Gillen, of course, you know, being Littlefinger or... Right. Uh, it's just awesome to see him play a really good father. Well, not a, I guess not a really good father, but just a father role. I mean, he's pretty much the only known actor that I could really say from that list. Everyone else, uh, their brother being... Uh, doing a heck of a performance and such an underrated character. I mean... It was. It's just so much fun, and the costumes were. Yeah, I mean, my only, I guess, my only slight little questionable thing about the whole movie is that you know, for these kids being kind of a little bit, they're not, really good, not really rich, <laughs> not really rich, and first off, really good at music, and on yeah. top of that, they seem to have every awesome prop that I wish I could do for music videos. So. Right, right, yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, awesome. So no, it was a really good uh, top ten, Alex, and. Uh, or uh, Sean, sorry, Alex, you're gonna be up next. Um, okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, like you're gonna hear me echo some of the things that you talked about there, some similarities and, and whatnot, obviously. But um, yeah, no, really great. Definitely hit a lot of the stuff, and like you were saying, a lot of like the indie stuff, and not like the major AAA yeah. releases. Um, that I think that kind of what I, this year was really the fall 
and uh, not the demise because it's they're still they still make millions of dollars these like big budget movies but it definitely felt like it it fell off more than anything this year i think it was uh financially the worst summer for movies like like for big blockbuster movies and i wonder why with movies like independence, independence day, day and uh, more yeah. ninja turtles it's just like the same revamps like re- reboot stuff that like oh man anyway so all right awesome so that's sean's top 10 and alex Mr. Zarnowski, yeah. you are up, sir. So give us a little quick rundown of the uh, 10 through 6 and then a little further into the uh, top 5. All right, quick rundown of 10 through 6. At number 10, we've got Pee-wee's Big Holiday. <laughs> dude, I'm this? so happy you put that on there. That's such a good movie. I, I loved yeah, it. I, I, I really did. I, I did like that movie Wasn't it great? It was. It was really fun. Dude, the balloon scene, oh my goodness. I was in, <laughs> I was in tears. Oh, amazing. Anytime, anytime Pee-wee was like squealing. Like yeah. he did that a few times throughout the film. That was great. The opening scene was amazing. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the best openings. One of the best scenes of this year. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, coming in at number nine, uh, Rogue One. Oh, cool. Um, I was even I was debating even putting this on here, but I figured Rogue One at least as as a film was was a was entertaining, but uh, and it tied it tied in the story very nicely. Um, before you know the events nicely before the first film had taken place. Um, it was really fun watching the first 10 minutes of uh, A New Hope before going to see Rogue One, just to, yes. to kind of tie everything together. Yeah, I wish I had did that when I got to see Rogue One. I, I kind of didn't watch um, A New Hope before going to see it. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen A New Hope a million times, so like I, did, I, did, I didn't feel like I the need to. <laughs> um, until I saw Rogue One, I realized how like very closely tied in they are. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, coming in at number eight, Hell or High Water. Ooh. Um, come on, Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster in the desert, being chased by the dude. You know, they're being chased by the dude. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. no, I agree. Yeah, I Hell, agree. Hell or High Water. Yeah, it was a movie that like I heard t- tons of buzz about it. It's doing. It got a, a six Oscar yeah. Oscar noms or something. It's or, definitely getting the noms. Um, writing. Yeah, yeah, screenwriting, two acting. Um, Jeff Bridges and Ben Foster both for supporting actor, I believe. Ben Foster totally deserves it. And then, yeah, Ben Foster. Yeah, we're gonna. We'll, I'll. You'll hear me talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a pretty great movie. Pretty damn good. I think the the writer's the same dude who did Taylor Sheridan, who yes. did um, Sicario. Yes. Yes. Which I wasn't that big on. I wasn't either. I like we, this. Yeah, I think we we mentioned that last year. I think during the episode. Um, yeah, I think so. Briefly, but. Coming in at number seven, Zootopia. Um, awesome. Nice. That's it. Zootopia. Animals. Way more, more better talking than, animal movies. Yeah. I know. Another talking animal movie. Way <laughs> better than, uh, what is it? Uh, Secret Life of Pets. Oh, man. Um, what a disappointment. Just awesome characters. It's great scenes. The sloth. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, number six, A Monster Calls. Um, I had read the novel like two years ago and then to, to finally see that come to the screen and come to life uh, with such a, it, the, the, the storyline's a little bit of a downer and Kyle, I think you had done a review on this live. Is I that did. Correct? Yeah. I did a case this minute yeah. review of it uh, last week, just kind of uh, doing a little nine minute, 10 minute review of, of yeah. it. Um, yeah. I, like I enjoyed it. And, and like, again, you guys can go back and, and check that out. It's on my Facebook, but um, yeah, it's like a, it's a rough subject to, to really kind of, like experience um you know anytime like there's a movie about you know like a 
a, a child whose like mother is dying of cancer like that's never an easy subject to kind of deal with but uh i think the the way they handled it is, is pretty interesting and like the, the look of it and everything was all done really well yeah it was like reading harry potter watching harry potter that type of it was that it was it, it was, was that, that um that close and oh, wow. the, that's mostly because patrick ness who had written the novel uh, who had actually adapted the novel from the original writer who had passed away, he wrote the screenplay. So that's why it was so close to the, uh, okay. the actual gotcha. cool. story. Yeah. All right. So that's 10 through 6. All right. Nitty gritty. Uh, Nitty gritty. Number 5. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, our buddy Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Killed it, I thought. Uh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I was. This was one of the most satisfying uh, films for me because you you're you're stuck down there with them the entire time. They just you know in, in your ear he did a pretty good job of getting you in in there in the characters' heads is like as to whether or not he's telling the truth is right. he crazy <laughs> is he is he legit and just the and I don't know if if you guys would agree but just if we talk spoilers for a minute the ending of the film where spoilers. Spoilers that I've been uh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. That, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just making sure because we're live. That yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, if, if you guys don't want to hear the uh, how Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane kind of hap- what happens to it, just um, mute this for like a If you don't want to hear, hear how clever this film ended, um, just please shut this off. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't shut it off. Just uh, mute it. Don't just shut come it back. Off. Just come back in a minute. We need the views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we have like three viewers right now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we have 70,000 viewers? Right oh, yeah. Now. Sorry. I'm trying to keep up with all that. Right. It's the inauguration. Yeah. But anyway, um, to, to actually see to see uh, that all of his crazy came, actually came true was just awesome. I, I didn't think it was going to be true. I thought she was going to get out. I thought she was going to run away, escape, and just say, okay, you know, flip the bird and, and leave. But <laughs> right. the reveal was, like, well done. It yeah. could have been worse. It could have been done poorly, but... Danny yeah. Boy nailed it, I thought. Yeah, I think so too. I think this movie does a really good job of playing with expectations yes, and, uh, and and yeah. and what you're what you're kind of uh, what what you're coming to realize. Like like you said, uh, is he telling the truth? And you find out like it's kind of a little bit of both, so to speak. And then um, yeah, but the acting is really great. There's literally like three characters in the I, movie, like three and a half. There's like one woman who shows up later, kind of. Yeah, but. John Goodman just blows. Through. All right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, John Goodman's unbelievable in yeah. this, honestly. Yes, we got Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. Yep. as Emmett. Yeah, very good. Yeah, great choice. All right. So that's number five. Number four, Deadpool. And <laughs> one of the one of the biggest reasons is because uh, Deadpool for me, like Ryan Re- Ryan Reynolds, really brought Deadpool as a character to life. Sure did. In such a di- in such a, in almost in the same way as. Heath Ledger brought the Joker to life. Well, he just had in his... he had a second shot at it because <laughs> he, <laughs> he screwed had a up the first time. Now, now, I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but still, not many people no, get a I second the... chance to save a really well-known and like uh, lovable uh, comic character. Right. It, it has nothing to do, no opinion uh, or has nothing to do with uh, that crap in uh, right. what was it Wolverine? Wolverine yeah, blah blah whatever it was. But yeah. Um, I think he did a fantastic job, and I think the mar- just the marketing alone, like looking outside the film for a minute, the marketing was great. Yes, uh, playing up to the playing to his character, the trailers where he does commentary during the trailer, yep, and kind of crapping on 
the the trailer at the end to say the red band trailer is way better than this crap. Yeah, I have a trailer going up right now. Anyone watching on Facebook, so it's kind of there. We go. With it. <laughs> yeah. Can't hear anything, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, just just over. I mean, for the bu- the amount of the amount that they spent on the budget, or the for the budget they had and the amount of money they made, it was also awesome. And the fact that it was rated R, just overall pretty pretty fun for me. Um, number three is La La Land. They opened it with jazz. I mean, not they didn't open it with they jazz. Sure they did. opened it with a, a ridiculous, um, a ridiculous scene taking place on the, on the highway, and went right to Thelonious Monk in the car, and um, that kind of brought me right in because I'm I'm a huge fan of jazz, Monk, uh, whoever Coltrane, whoever, and mm-hmm. this wasn't this wasn't. I was a little concerned at first with how grandiose the opening to the film was. I was like, Oh no, please don't be like this the entire time. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah. But it was actually a very tight and simple story. If you think about it, it's two people in love. They both have a dream. They both pursue their dream. They both do it. They both nail it. And then by the end you think, okay, well maybe they'll someday end up together, but okay, they don't. So it, it was, it's just how life happens. And to, to, you know, not everything is a perfect happy ending. Exactly. But along the way, you have great music. You have tap dancing. You have a lot of elements that you don't get to see um, in modern in modern films anymore. And it's you know playing on that classical uh, Hollywood um, maybe forties and fifties yes. uh, romance Hollywood romantic blah blah blah. Um, yeah, production design was great. Yeah, music was catchy. I have it on Spotify. I don't know. Yeah, the music's really great. Uh, it's like a the golden. I did it again. I did a case this little mini review for this too, and uh, it's it, what what really shines for me in this movie is it's. I'm again, like I said, I'm not the huge like the biggest fan of like music. Not the biggest fan of musicals. I'm just very far removed from that kind of genre. And to come into this and see it done with modern film taking techniques from what I believe to be one of the best up and coming directors out there, uh, Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash, as we all yes. know, I've really loved. Uh, to see the camera work and the way that this movie is all done and put together is astonishing, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't seen Whiplash, please do. Yes. I mean, that was, oh I think gosh, that was yeah. my favorite. I couldn't decide last year if that was my number one or number two, I think. That was my, my issue. So that's La La Land at number three. Number two is Arrival. Uh, we got uh, Amy Adams here uh, Jeremy and Jeremy Renner. And Forrest Whitaker making his way into another sci-fi movie. <laughs> he's all over the um, place this year. He's all over, yeah. And directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. Is it Denny Villeneuve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's French. Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I had to. Uh, I had to double check on that. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be bringing his name. I'm just gonna wing it. It's fine. Um. Going back a few years when uh, District 9 came out, there was this feeling of like, wow, we were really taking sci-fi to a new level. Whereas Arrival is is not only does it does it take it to a new level, but it also it 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 plays with almost it's almost not sci-fi. It's almost like you you feel like some something's come to Earth, and it's it's not like Independence Day. It's not like I'm all over the place. I, I don't even know how to describe this film because no. it was just a fun ride. Uh, a study of, you know, a look into um, a, a, the study of a different language and how you could 
and and science and how language and science can come together and i don't know it's no, awesome absolutely it's yeah yeah I, I i totally agree with you on that um yeah it's a, it's a really great look at uh humans and and how we would kind of deal with um you know close encounters <laughs> i guess so to speak like uh, getting in right. touch with um alien life and again like you said it's not like independence day or anything like that and thank god because if like this movie got to a point where it was like <laughs> yeah. they make it con- with the they finally learn the language and then the, the aliens are saying you know like run Dirt or like day. destruction and then today. like they, the mm-hmm. thing starts shooting people i would have been like ah, i'm done I, I, this is, I i'm so done but it doesn't do that it doesn't fall to that it's way 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 smarter than that i, I like to compare this sort of to the martian from last year where it's it's very smart very very smart sure. and it and it and explains things to you and you you understand it but it doesn't hold your hand throughout everything so you, it's, it expects you to kind of have an understanding of, of certain things with language and, and things like that um and it does it in a really interesting uh kind of relevatory kind of way mm-hmm. what was what was actually i was a little conflicted though it does say it's drama mystery and sci-fi but would you also say that it Instead of sci-fi, could it be fantasy? Yeah, I, because I, can, I can see that. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I, I it's at its heart, I think it's a, it's a sci-fi movie. Absolutely um, sci-fi. For the, for the yeah, like, from but, like the, at least fifty percent of it anyway. And the other fifty percent is the drama, I suppose. But my thing is, is, is Amy uh, her character, the character herself, is she, her abilities. Just to speak to her abilities for a second, that is that more you know Star Wars or is that more Star Trek in the sense that it's more based on science or is it more based on in a fantasy world right that right. was the only only conflict i had with the movie but um i didn't give a shit it awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really really good it's up for a lot of awards which i'm so happy with because i didn't yeah. typically the academy doesn't kind of go for this kind of thing so the fact that they kind of did and it's up for like uh, i mean the only thing amy adams i feel like probably deserved an oscar nomination not uh what's her name for the billionth time um but Meryl? yeah Meryl. but yeah that's neither here nor there yeah. so yeah i agree coming in at number one is captain fantastic this movie was friggin fantastic um this was directed by matt ross and it stars vigo mortensen george mckay and children many many children with lots of children Ma- lots of children unbelievably so many children, children. Yeah. a fantastical amount of children yeah and and their acting skills were top notch they're really 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 good even for even for one of the kids that have to have a major character change towards the end of the movie, he, he played up being a little shit pretty good. I gotta say, um, just the way this movie uh, comments on on the way we raise our children, um, sex and religion, and uh, all the flaws that we have in today's society in America and in whatever. It does it, it does it in such a creative way. It it in this movie doesn't seem to have the the writing doesn't seem to be um, afraid to let itself just just have a few um, how would I put it like there's a moment in the film where you're like well that how did they get away with doing that and I feel like that's just the writing not being afraid to just say okay well this happened. There are con- there were going to be consequences, but let's just throw those consequences out the window because this is even better to show. This is even cooler to do. So it gets away with a lot of uh, it gets away with a lot. And for me personally, the main character in the film, portrayed by Vigo, I I knew somebody like that. Um, I grew up uh, going our 
my parents, my grandparents' friend was very much like him. He had a bus. He not did he 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 lived in the woods. Uh, he didn't have seven children, but he did bike from like the Adirondacks all the way to Pennsylvania to come visit us one time, and then went down through New Jersey to go home. And the guy was just out there, and he was very politically driven and charged. So it really just hit home with me, and uh, that's kind of why it's my number one. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of agree. I echo a lot of the stuff uh, about Captain Fantastic. I think Viggo Mortensen's yeah, really I, good. I kind of agree. Um, stuff, he's uh, like Fantastic. he's pretty pretty darn good. He um he's always great though. Like I feel like he's always yeah. doing kind of similar stuff, but it's always pretty good. Uh, but yeah, like there's a lot going on in this movie, like more than just like, oh yeah, it's just a guy kind of dealing with, uh, how to like raise his kids like normally and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's just a lot more themes going on with it. A lot about like, uh, family life and, um, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, it was really great. I, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's a, it's a one trick pony for me. So, I mean, uh, it didn't quite make my list, uh, but I did really enjoy it. And he's really awesome. So yeah. like, uh, you know, needless to say, if, if you're looking for a good performance, uh, this is definitely one to look out for. And that's a great film. I I really do recommend it. I mean, I I can't think we can stress enough that it's there's a lot of children actors that stepped up this year. Right. All right. So yeah, with my top ten, you guys are gonna hear me talk about some of the other movies that uh, you kind of already condoned and went over and had your list and whatnot. But I gotta take my sip of drink. Ooh. Drinking some lovely nugget nectar here. A little drinky poo. So. There's there's a lot of movies that I saw this year. I think um, I run a list and I copy down all the movies that I've seen throughout the year in a little list. And I think of at least within the last since the last of the last four years since I've been putting this Excel sheet together, I've seen them more this year than I have. I think by about four or five movies, by not by a long shot, but by about four or five movies probably than I have uh, in previous years. So like, fifty something, which is. A lot for somebody who uh, has a full-time job and, you know, does all this other stuff. Whereas, like, I mean, I know the guys at, like, Slash Film, they do, you know, they see a ridiculous amount of movies. And they all have jobs and stuff like that. But they also get funded, sort of, with, with the podcast and everything. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, I did see, like, a lot of movies. It's just, like, I had a lot more to choose from this year than I in the past. Which is why I think I had trouble kind of figuring out my top ten. Um, and, again, I think the maybe a third of the movies I saw, I uh, I thought were okay. I think the second, third, maybe two-thirds were all really good. So I had to kind of pull from like an entire, almost half, well, maybe about half my list, I'd say, maybe, um, that I really, really liked. So I had to kind of figure out, you know, what, what direction. And the way I kind of did it, I think I kind of did this last year and the year before, too, where it's more uh, objectively, subjectively, the movies that are my favorite of the year, regardless of, like, more outside than, like, whether it's just a really great and well-put-together film, like something like Captain Fantastic or um, like Deadpool, stuff like that, which didn't make my list, but they're really fine and well-made films. So with that in mind, uh, my number 13, I'm just going <laughs> to read off real quick, three movies that didn't just didn't make it, and they were in my list for a long time. Um, two of them, because uh, one I saw a long time ago, and that was uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. And uh, like I was saying, that this is a fantastic film, and I, and I wish I was able to put it in my top 10, and it was for the longest time. I mean, it was the only one in my top list. Uh, it was it was you know that and another film that I'll get to eventually that were on my list because they were they came out so early in the year and then um, just kind of slowly got kept getting pushed out here another bumped up another spot another spot another spot and it just kind of fell off but really great film and echo everything Alex was talking about earlier 
Uh, another one was also Sausage Party, which uh, I'm not sure if you guys had even seen, but Sausage Party is a really damn funny movie. Uh, <laughs> it's pro- great. Probably the best comedy of the year, but again, there's not really a lot of comedies that came out this year. Uh, but Sausage Party is a really funny movie, so if you guys have a chance to check that out, for anyone who hasn't seen Sausage Party, it's ridiculous. There's a, The ending sequence of that movie is uh, disgustingly amazing. So. <laughs> uh, and then the last movie that I really wanted to mention that I, I, I didn't put in my top ten, not because I didn't think it was a, a fine enough made film or that I enjoyed it enough, but it was just like, it's hard to recommend, and that's Manchester by the Sea. And also because I just saw it yesterday, and it's a movie that I... I Oh man, I don't know what to do with. Like, I don't know whether I should like recommend it to people. Whether it's worth watching a second time. Uh, I mean, for alone, just 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 for the filmmaking and the way it's put together, it's all really good. And but holy god, this movie is like it hurts. De- oh, yeah. it's so heavy. It's, it's so, so heavy. heavy. Yeah. It's 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 bad. Like it's it's a great movie, but like oh my god, I felt I didn't want to do anything the rest of the day. I was just kind of yeah. like. I felt mopey. Like, I felt mopey yeah, after seeing the I, movie. I could feel the recognition. I see why it's getting all the, the nods, but man, I don't ever, I don't really want to see it again because it's just not, it's too, it's too painful. Right. It's a devastating film, and it's really well yeah. done. I just don't think it's a movie that I, a lot of the stuff, like, it deals with death and grief and loss of family and dealing with that kind of stuff, and, and obviously everyone has deaths in their family and whatnot, but the, 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 like, the unbelievable, like, tragedy that happens in this movie is it's like the worst of the worst. So it's very hard to uh, sympathize with it because like nothing that bad has ever happened to me. And God, I hope nothing ever does because it's ridiculously terrible. But uh, so it's that like that whole thing like drives the whole movie. So it's hard for me to be like, you know, I really connected with it, but it's, I think objectively one of, I think I'm going to go through, I'm going to mention two other movies that are probably the objectively the best films made this year. And I think Manchester by the sea is one of those three. My recommendation would be if I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea yet, but don't go see Monster Calls and then go at least don't be alone because I feel like, yeah, might, don't be alone. Yeah, you could like suicidal tendencies. Yeah, you might, yeah. All right, so into my top 10, and I'm gonna try and go through this pretty quick. Uh, my number 10 was a movie that, that oh man, I, re- I like I had to keep it in my top 10 just because I loved it and it was so great. Uh, it's called, it's a movie. Uh, one of Taika Waititi's films that was in my top ten last year, which was uh, What We Do in the Shadows, when my number four last year. Uh, he comes out with another film this year called Hunt for the Wilder People. Such a good and film. And he, uh, he's also, he came out with this movie, and then like immediately after it, he's now doing the Thor movie, the new Thor Ragnarok movie. So he's like really doing great, and that's awesome because he's, he's really talented. And Hunt for the Wilder People is a really fun film. Uh, it's a great little indie movie. Kind of a coming of age story, but it's like orphan kid and Sam Neill's in it. And I don't want to spoil too much. It is on Hulu. So if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it on there. Uh, totally worth the watch. Uh, it's a really great film. The number nine is a movie that I'm going to echo Sean on here. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier, Saulnier's uh, mm-hmm. Green Room. Uh, again, it's the, I'm going to go, I'm going to mention kind of two like thriller suspense movies or like this is really horror this movie but uh kind of in the same category mm-hmm. and uh green room's awesome it's 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 gory it's it's fast it's dirty and it's really well put together and uh, elmtown yelkin's awesome in it uh it's about this heavy metal band who like gets caught up in this like crazy predicament after playing at like a white supremacist barb just because they're looking for gigs and then stuff just like s hits the f and it just goes mad uh, really great film. So if you have a chance, that's also on Amazon Prime. So if you guys have an Amazon Prime subscription, you could totally watch that right now. And well, I've finished listening to this podcast first, and then you can go watch it. At number seven, 
Uh, I have a movie here that's again it's gonna be, it was on Alex's list here, and that's La La Land, uh, Damien Chazelle's newest uh, f- movie. It's uh, again like everything Alex was saying, a, a really great musical. Like it's a great musical, and it pulls from a lot of the classic musicals. Not that I have been an expert by any means, but I did do some research and saw some videos of like comparisons, shot for shot. Like I've seen Singing in the Rain, so I saw a lot of the similarities in that. Uh, and it's a really well put together film, and I think that's where it really shines. Because if it was just a a musical done in like a kind of meh sort of way or whatever, uh, I probably wouldn't have made my list. And obviously, just the fact that Damien Chazelle was behind it and in his technical artistry that he puts forward to this movie makes all the difference, and it makes it more interesting. So it's like a golden age of Hollywood movie. Like again, like I said in my little case, this mini review, uh, a little golden age of Hollywood classic movie made with like modern film taking making techniques, and it's uh, it's awesome. And it's going to win, like, every award at the Oscars, and I'm okay with that, honestly. So number six. No. Number seven, right? One, two, three, four, five, seven. Yeah. I, I think yes. Number seven. And <laughs> it's funny that... So this movie w- was not in the number seven spot for the longest time this year, and then it just ended up at the number seven spot totally by coincidence. And I know the last two years, uh, it's been, like, the, the horror movie number seven spot so two years ago it was babadook last year was it follows and this year it's the witch and i didn't like even mean to do it that i was like oh man i'm not gonna have the witch at number seven this year so i think it's gonna be higher and then i saw a couple other movies and it kind of bumped it up and now it ended up at number seven so here we are yeah the witch is awesome the witch is uh is such a well-made film uh the detail that goes into everything from the atmosphere to the uh the look of everything to the folklore behind it it's just, it's expertly put together, and I cannot wait for uh, Robert Eggers' next film, uh, whatever he ends up doing after this, because uh, if he does this kind of stuff and stays in this sort of genre, I'm totally aboard. Absolutely. Yeah. So that brings me to number six, um, which is one of those three, uh, again, what I'm saying, what I'm calling the best, ob- objectively best movies of, of the year, uh, and that's Moonlight, which is the newest film by Barry Jenkins. This film is is unbelievable. It's really great. It deals with so many so many things, uh, balancing a lot of these issues. When it just and it and it also boils down to a very simple story of, of a person just with uh, kind of finding yourself as as a young child or growing up and and not really discovering your identity. To, you know, you're not really sure who you are. That kind of thing and going through life not really uh, knowing whether it's socially acceptable because there's a lot of you know obviously the the main character deals with you know sexual confusion and um you know he grows up and his wife is his his mother excuse me is a like a heroin addict so it deals with a lot of these issues but it's not one of those films where it's like a kind of like precious where it's like the movie just downtrodden that character and that's what the whole film is where it's yeah this you're just gonna make this character's life a living hell because of how awful like her home life is where this this character that's just a that's just a facet of what the of how this this person came to be and, and who they're becoming and why they become who they are and, and the influences they have. Um, uh, Mahershala Ali's performance in this is awesome. He's only in a third of it because this movie's set into like thirds and his performance, it echoes throughout the whole movie and like his character, uh, the, the, Chiron's character, who's the name of the main character in this kind of, you see him kind of slowly take on um, things that, that he influence because he's trying to find like a role model, so to speak. And uh, there's so many things happening in this movie. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. 
Uh, I teared up at some points. Like it's it's a beautiful film, and there's the, a, an amazing score set behind it, where it's like there's there's even some opera thrown in. There's yes, like classical yeah. music. It's just oh my god, and the use of colors in this film is unbelievable. I've never seen a movie use colors in such a uh, such a specific way. There's like really harsh blues and reds and yellows, and they're for different parts of the story and it's thematic and it's, oh, it's unbelievable. It's a really great movie and it's up for a ton of Oscars and I'm awesome, so happy for it. It totally deserves anything it wins. I'm hoping it wins at least a screenplay. But yeah, yeah. that's my number six. So I know I went a little bit uh, wordier on some of those, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and. Just kind of get through these. Uh, well, I'm sold on your number six. I have not seen that. Okay, yeah, yeah Moonlight, I've only you... seen half of it, and I will say it was. I would honestly it'd be on my list if I could complete the whole thing. So. <laughs> Sean had an emergency; he had to leave the theater. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. poop. <laughs> that, oh, that sounds about. <laughs> and right. we're bringing poop jokes into it. All right, so duty calls. <laughs> my number five is a movie that I haven't seen done from this company as well in maybe 20 years and that's moana it's the the latest disney film um one of two disney films done this year the other uh, obviously as, as alex was mentioning earlier is utopia uh this is moana this is the the, the latest moment it's uh rob clement who, who who's part of the director who also did like little mermaid and uh, aladdin so like a lot of the classical stuff uh like the golden age of disney and this totally falls in with that exact category it's great it harkens back to um to the musical version of, of, of Disney movies, not like frozen where it's like, um, or um, not frozen even, um, but some of the other ones that like, it's sort of a musical here and there, but it's not like fully musical. And there's not like a ton of songs, but like it, it, it balances it enough. And it's great too, because first of all, the visuals are amazing. I don't know how they did some of the things they did, but it's some of the best animation I've seen in in an animated movie to date. Um, and it deals with issues that aren't strictly, based what normal and classic Disney movies are based out of, like, fairy tales, where it's like, oh, there's there's the prince, and then there's the princess, and then the princess has to go beat the bad guy, and then they defeat the bad guy, and he ends up with the princess, and they end happily ever after. It's not really like that. It's more of an internal struggle. Um, I, again, I, I talked about this sort of on the my Cases Mini Reviews. I did the La La Land and Moana episode, so I kind of, you know, talk a little about it there, but... It's a really fine film. The music's really good. Uh, the act, the voice acting's great. The Rock's awesome. He can do, do no wrong. He's he's amazing in everything he does. And Jermaine Clement does a little uh, cameo, and he's like the this like crab guy, and he has a little song that he does where he's like channeling his inner Bowie. It's amazing. It's uh-huh. so good. So if you have a chance to check out Moana, I would definitely recommend it. So my number four is uh, the newest film by Denis Villeneuve, and that's Arrival. So I, me and Denny Villeneuve have never, not that I personally know him, but <laughs> me and me and his films have never quite been on the same page. Uh, didn't really care for Sicario, as mentioned earlier. Uh, wasn't the biggest fan of Enemy, and I totally don't understand what the, all the praise was about for Prisoners. I still don't get it, but whatever. So going into this, I was like, oh man, I, you know, the people were saying it's great, but they said that about the last his last three films, and I really didn't like any of them. And I go into this thinking that and was totally blown away. This movie is great. This movie is amazing. Uh, I did a. I'm doing a, a, a part of a podcast with, with my cousin John Lund, who runs uh, the Bridge Podcast. It's a sports podcast that he does on Sports Radio America, Sports America Radio, 
And he, uh, there's also on his website there and everything. But I did a little segment there for him. I'm going to be doing from now on here and there where I'm doing little movie segments. I think it's uh, five minutes in the in the film room with Kyle Sloney. Uh, so I did an, an arrival review where I tie in some football themes and, and references and stuff in it as well. But um, this this movie is awesome. It, it it handles the the, the aspect of sci-fi in a really smart, specific way. But it also has this underlying narrative of Amy Adams and her character and what she goes through and how they interweave and how they tie in is is nothing short of of, of outstanding. It's great. It's so excuse me, I'm burping. It's so good I had to burp. That's how amazing this is. Well, excuse you. <laughs> exactly. Um but yeah, like the music's really great. The score, I was like listening to the score after I saw the score is really, really interesting. It's like dissonant, but also like harkens kind of alien like type, like unknownness, I guess, if you were to kind of put it in, 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 in that way. But yeah, it's great. And I, I feel like Amy Adams kind of deserved an Oscar here. She's always great. And she's always been getting snubbed. She's up for, she's been up for a couple, but um, I think this is, this is, she shined in this movie. She carried it, honestly. She has some stiff competition, so. Yeah, she does. I mean, if they keep giving yeah, Meryl Streep a, an Oscar for it, no matter what movie she's in. When she's, when Meryl Streep's, like, in X, the Avengers Infinity War, and she's playing some, like, yeah. CG character, and they're like, and the Oscar goes to. <laughs> it's gonna be for the Golden Globe performance of <laughs> speech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? All right. So, Rival was my number four. So, now down to my num- top three. Um... My top three, I was having trouble kind of b- bouncing them around. Not sure which one I wanted to be where. Not not sure, you know, how I felt about certain ones and which one I really wanted to put in my top of my number one. And these are all pretty much interchangeable for the most part. Uh, and my number three is Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, this is the finest animation, the finest animated movie that I've seen this year, uh, including Moana. Moana is great too, obviously, but, but Kubo I, I think is just a little better just because of the way it's made, I think. And it's incredible how they made this. I watched some behind the scenes on Kubo. Oh my god, it's incredible! That's they create it's wow. all stop motion, and they create all these puppets, and they created I think it's a Guinness World Record or something, Sean, right? Yeah. Uh, of like the biggest, uh, like the skeleton they fight. It's like sixteen feet tall, and they're shooting that. It's incredible how they made this film, and it's and, and seamless CG uh, interwoven with like the stop motion stuff. It's a beautiful movie. It's absolutely gorgeous, and uh, it, and it deals with a lot of the kind of similar issues with like, um, like. A child kind of not, not not having like a family, sort of being an orphan and kind of learning about that. But it also ties in this like Asian culture yeah. that, that is done really well, I think. Um, it's awesome. Like if you guys haven't checked out, I know, Sean, I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, no, well, the, it's, I don't know, it's the the whole non-tradition of it all. It's it's like, you know, for being a kid's movie, you're mentioning with how Disney, not, not going back to their roots for Mona, which I have not seen, but specifically just seeing in Kubo and the Two Strings is just such a refreshing new kind of story with such beautiful culture i don't know it's it's it really ties everything together and i mean obviously we're just celebrating our recent lunar new year you know happy right. rooster everybody but happy rooster yeah. but uh happy but seriously i if you have not seen kubo and the two strings i i think that uh that company has produced nothing but some of the best yeah leica or leica yeah, yeah leica and I don't know. I mean, I, really impressive. Very really, impressive. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And I, I love Coraline. Coraline's a great film. I didn't see uh, Paranorman or Box Trolls, but uh, I kind of want to go visit them now after seeing Kubo. Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, both are very good. Okay. I have not seen Kubo, and yeah, you're selling me. You do. You'll you'll love it. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's a really good film. And the voice acting is is awesome. Yeah. So. Matthew McConaughey's in it, which is like man. Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Ray Fiennes. Char- Charlize Theron. Really good stuff. Uh, and what's the name of? Uh, uh, 
um, from Star Trek. Um, oh, yes. Uh, uh, George Takei. Yeah, George Takei. Or George Takei. George Takei. George Takei. However you want to say it. Yeah. Anyway. So that leads me to number two. And this is probably the most di- di- divisive movie that, that kind of hit cinemas this year and hit the circuit. It was one of uh, the only movies that I heard about at uh, Sundance this year where people were walking out of the theater. Uh, so very different opinions coming on this movie. And I would totally agree with it. It's one of those movies where you'll either absolutely adore it and love it and totally get what it's doing, or you'll be like, what am I watching? This is too much. You really have to use your imagination, kind of be an imaginative person to really kind of enjoy this film, and that's Swiss Army Man. This is, I mean, you, it, it's it's described as a uh, farting corpse movie. I mean, that's part of it. The opening scene is literally Paul Dano about to hang himself. There's a corpse washed up on the beach. He sees the corpse, it starts farting, and he rides it to safety as, like, a jet ski. And that's the opening, like, five minutes of the movie. And if that's not something you're going to be into, you're not going to like the rest of it, because it gets it's silly just like that for the rest of the film. But, oh my god, it's such a, like, heartwarming movie. I've never seen a movie that deals with issues where, at the end of the film, depending on how you look at it, you're either, you can either, you're either... You're like, oh, this is it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful and and heartwarming and and um and insightful. Or on the other side of the spectrum, if you look at it in a certain way, you're like, this is the most disturbing, effed up, ridiculous thing I've ever heard of and seen. And it and for a movie to be able to have those two elements to it and to be able to look at it and figure and and kind of decide how you want to interpret it is incredible like not many movies can do that and for a movie about you know like a guy with a corpse like like a buddy movie it's ridiculous and and what's awesome too is the music is really great in this film it's like acapella music where paul dano and yes. and um uh, daniel radcliffe's character are actually doing like the the noises and it's like oh it's so good it's a really great film oh my god i loved it so much i really want to go like watch it again like after seeing it but yeah swiss army man if you guys have a chance to check it out you may not like it but if you're willing to open up uh, be a little imaginative and, and kind of expects anything, you might enjoy it. So funny. And that brings me to my number one film of 2016, and that's Sing Street. Very much like Sean, uh, again, like I said, it, I, you see a theme with a lot of my top movies of the year. Inside Lewin Davis, movie, movie about a struggling musician. Whiplash, movie about a guy who wants to be a great musician. <laughs> Sing Street. A movie about a kid who's making a band to impress a girl. It's all like music-based stuff, and I, not that that's always coincidence. It just happens to be that way. They're great films, but Sing Street's uh, um, like we were saying earlier. Like I, I can't. There's nothing else I can really say more about it. What what, what Sean talked about. It's a it's a great coming of age story. It's a great uh, making a band like a kid making a band story. It's a great um, you know like kid falls in love for a girl story. It's a great. Um, family drama story it's it's all of these things wrapped into one and oh my god the the how they wrote maybe what is the year's best brother characters in a story that that the brother character is amazing he has so many zingers ne- never have i ever se- seen a film with such a positive like reinforcement like uh like great just great down to earth like mm-hmm. really good character awesome and he brings in probably what's my favorite line that I've seen all year. Uh, it's something along the lines of, um, "No, no man, no woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins," yeah. <laughs> which I thought was uh, absolutely great. I like burst out laughing when I said. 
So, yeah, I mean, Sing Street's great, and, and there's not much more I can say about it. I'm still listening to the soundtrack. Like, I still, like, I have it on my iPod and stuff, and the songs still come up, and I still, like, listen to it, and it's it's catchy, and Drive It Like You Stole It is, <laughs> like, the greatest song, like, written this year. Like, outside of movies or within movies. So, that's pretty much it. That's my top ten, guys. Very nice. Not bad, right? I do not expect <laughs> lots to add to my my ever growing list of things I need to watch. Yeah, sorry. I feel like every time we do these, Alex, where like you're like jotting these notes down, and you still have like a like the movies from like 2013 list. You're still like trying to catch up yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm still stuck in 2013 for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, Sean, like you saying that when you're when you got down to your number one, it was Sing Street. I was like, oh, this is the second year in a row that, that we got our. It's top. a it's a surprising because I <laughs> I did not expect that I. No, honestly, I only watched the movie. It was probably like a couple of weeks ago, and I was mind blown how much I love that movie. And then I decided to watch it again. It's one of those movies that kind of grows on you because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is a really great film." Like it was like a really cute, like a really great story movie. And then like the more I thought about it, and then I watched it again. Like I watched it t- two more times since then, and it just like it, it's one of those movies that just kind of buzz in the back of my back of my mind all the time, just buzz back there. And that's when I, you know, that's kind of my indicator to say like, well, clearly this is. I mean, if I have to pick a top. A number one movie for the year. This has to be it. It's got to be the movie that you know that's been in my head the most. This and Swiss Army Man, like I've been movies that I've thought about since I've seen them. So now we're gonna get into the some of the not as pleasurable moments here. So I know we always do this uh, biggest disappointments thing, and I, and I do want to start off with that, and then we're gonna get into a couple other categories here before we wrap this up. I really want to appreciate everyone who's been listening. Excuse me on Facebook. Sorry, we don't have more video. So I keep burping. Oh, this beer's killing me. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. We don't have more video elements to this, or um, more beer. Yeah. yeah, or more beer. More burps uh, though, coming this way. But uh, yeah, we just want to try and make it interesting for you guys so that have it on Facebook and you're listening to it live while we're doing it before I do any of the edits or any of the music or anything. So that's yeah, kind of cool. You're part of all history. the burps will all the be in or out. Oh, I'm leaving the burps in anyway. That's that's real. That's raw okay. data, baby. There we go. Raw. So. Uh, real quick, I just want to go with you guys. If you want to just list off a movie or two or, or a couple, just real quick uh, of like the movies that you thought you were you, you were you were most disappointed in, meaning that a movie that you went into the theater thinking, I think this like you were with your expectations relatively high or not super low anyway. Uh, I mean, coming out of the theater just you know completely, yeah, sick. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. Yeah, uh, I think the one movie that I think a lot of us can talk about just. Just a film that I tried so hard to defend this film. It had so much negative bias, really bad uh, marketing from day one, pretty much. And it was Batman vs. Superman. A film that just, he tried so, tried so hard. Zack Snyder, what is wrong? What is wrong, Zack? <laughs> what got have, mental problems. What have, they, yeah, what has happened to you? And honestly, you were, I mean, there's something about revisiting the Wayne's death scene for the 90th time. <laughs> Even if it's in the uh, intro, it doesn't it, matter. Like we, st- we still don't have to see it anymore. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone does not not know that Batman's parents were killed. Right. And It's implied at this point. Yeah, everything about that and movie. He, and he must be a fan of The Walking Dead because we have uh, two characters from, or two of the actors from Walking Dead. Uh, Negan and yeah. What's-Her-Face. Yeah, uh, as, as the parents. As the parents. Oh, right, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, 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 I forgot about that. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. That movie, uh, that movie was really rough. It and was. It's just I'm the biggest Batman fan, and I just uh, I tried so hard. I mean, I think Affleck did a wonderful job as Batman, and I say wonderful because that's the only positive thing I can say about that movie. And he and he's not even the best Batman at this point still. No. And it's 
I don't know. I ever Zack Snyder went from such good movies like Dawn of the Dead and the remake of Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen, three hundred to Batman vs Superman. To Owls of the Legends of Owls Whatever of the Hell and yeah. uh, these other movies he's been doing. Uh, oh, you and I, I think Sean, I think the only people who defend Sucker Punch. Yeah, in, in, in some regard. Yeah, Sucker Punch is pretty good, but at this point, I can't even defend his work. No, you can't. And I even watched the four hour uncut edition the ultimate edition or whatever yeah. it is Ugh. and that was even worse <laughs> all right so alex what do you got with your biggest disappointment well, that this would, year that was beyond my list um as well but um i feel like and this one i'm very conflicted about because i do in some respects i like it but in i guess overall the reason it didn't make my list is because i was hugely disappointed with ghostbusters yeah i can see that yeah and it wasn't the cast. The cast was fantastic. I don't, you know, uh, everyone did a did a pretty good job. Um, but you know, the the a lot of the elements it felt uh, like they were just forced. They were trying to cater to the fans. Oh yeah, most definitely. Too much. Yeah. And rather than letting it become its own thing, like I don't, I didn't mind that, you know, Bill Murray was in it and Harold Ramis had his. Moment. That was the be- That was probably the best cameo, uh, uh, you know, of all of them. It's just very subtle, but um, I don't know. It just it, moments I was sw- from some moments I was swimming in nostalgia, and other moments I'm just thinking like it's just trying too hard, man. Yeah, there's a lot, a couple, couple too many member berries thrown in. Too many, too many member berries, and it felt a little too claustrophobic too. I think they did it. They didn't do New York City uh, justice. Yeah, they could have. They could have done a lot better establishing that this is New York City, and, and not that they didn't. Not that they weren't in New York City, you couldn't tell, and some of the locations were were legit, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. I, I kind of felt similarly. Although I, I will say, like, it wasn't as I I didn't downright hate it as much as everyone did when it initially came out, just because of the it got just ripped apart. I uh, I definitely didn't like it, but I didn't loathe it. So I mean, that's the right. you yeah, know, take that for what it's worth. I I was not a fan at all, and just uh. Some things just shouldn't be touched. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wish. I really wish I hadn't. I almost wish I hadn't seen it. It's like when you know, if you're a fan of like Dumb and Dumber and Dumber Dumber or whatever yeah, yeah, comes yeah, out, yeah. or Dumber Dumber Two comes out, and you're right. just like, should I? Should I even bother ruining my? No, is the answer. Childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the, the movies that, that I really was disappointed in, uh, Warcraft. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Sean and I had a, had a big ordeal going to see uh-huh. that film. And, and uh, as you know, people probably know, I, you know I, I was a big Warcraft fan all the way from Warcraft 3, even Warcraft 2 back in the day, Tides of Chaos or whatever it was called. Um, and then into World of Warcraft, obviously, for a number of years. Uh, you know, for a long time, I've been a big Warcraft fan. Not that I ever really followed the lore super closely or anything, but the fact that they just made a film about Warcraft and I knew enough about it to kind of understand what was happening. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, this might be good. And Duncan Jones was doing it. I love Moon. I thought Source Code was great. And it's David Bowie's son. And he just died this year. So it was like, like all this is just wrapping up to it. Like, this should, this should be a good movie. And oh my God, it wasn't. Holy Nikes, it was bad. It was... It's a, it's all over the place. This is like, no, there's no redeeming qualities of that film. Like the CG, like not, not the, the characters all look like they're wearing like plastic armor and like <laughs> outfits the uh, the CG is is not seamless when it comes in with the live action and that you could it's very clear they're in front of green screens the majority of the time the acting's bad it's just like there's like the stories all over the place there's no logic to any of it it doesn't exp- I mean if you're an outsider I don't even recommend watching yeah. it because there's no real like caveats like hey this is what the world is it just jumps you right in 
it's just felt like it clearly you can show it was either rushed too quickly and edited poorly or they just didn't film the right and for company like blizzard to have to make some of the one of the like best thing about playing their games is watching their animated videos yes. and they're watching the cutscenes. Cut yeah. And they could have just made a movie of cutscenes and it probably would have been better than that. Yeah. Actually, it actually would have been better than that. Yeah. I don't know. Agreed. And another one real quick I just want to mention just because of the hype and how, how amazingly put together this trailer was uh, for Suicide Squad. Uh, that trailer oh, with yeah. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, man. that I got When Batman for Superman came out... And I was disappointed with that. I was like, "Oh man, now I have to like Suicide Squad's gonna be bad too. Like they're just they're just losing all over the place." And then that trailer came out, and I was like, "Okay, I'm aboard." And then I went to go see it, and wow, that movie's a mess. My goodness, yeah. I don't I don't even want to get into it honestly. Like it's a mess. There's a good movie in there somewhere, but man, the editing. What what is it with DC this year when they have to tell everyone? Well, there's an extended version when the actual film's already out to defend it. It's just. Well, I think even David Ayer said that there's, that's the cut he finalized was that film, and I was like, "Why? This is you're gonna back that? Like that's your all right? Yeah. Your I don't think the studio could get behind a, a a decent story for any of them. I don't think no. they can come together no. on on one i on one storyline, right? Yeah, that's There's a lot of conflict there. Yeah, I think that's where Marvel shines. That they're all inter, they're they're all interwoven. All these stories, all the of all these universes and the characters and everything, and they all come together in a lot of these like Avengers movies and stuff. Which is why, like, oh, I can't imagine what Justice League is going to be like. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go see it because I want to see this catastrophe. Oh my god, the the that trailer. I, I'm alone. Just, the Batman, the Batman yeah. references with uh, Aquaman. In the, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like oh my goodness, no. So. All right. And uh, real quick here, guys, just just a real quick moment here. I want to talk about the uh, your favorite scenes. We're doing a couple little uh, extra things here this year. If you guys want to just hang out with us here, uh, we're going to talk about a couple little different categories of. It's not any disappointment, no no, no bad things, more all positive from here on out. Of uh, you know, just a couple things, categories of uh, you know what we enjoyed for um, what these individual categories uh, you know talk about. So real quick, just um, Sean, what, what was your favorite scene this year in any movie? I mean, yeah. uh, spoilers or not, if there's spoilers, just kind of give a brief idea of what it is without giving uh, the idea of like what happens in it away or anything. Uh, I think the my favorite scene usually would ha- usually has to go with suspense this year specifically would be Hell Have No Water, High Water, and specifically a movie that didn't make my top 10 but one heck of an amazing movie. Uh, but the scene was really what brought it together and it was the sudden the sudden shock of Jeff Bridges's sidekick being yeah. <laughs> taken out. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was um his reaction is so genuine. I feel like they actually shot that yeah, guy yeah. on set. <laughs> I honestly thought they shot a gun live in front of Jeff Bridges. It was so good. So, um, it's a scene that's uh, it's it's almost it, you, we're laughing at it. It's a little bit comical at the same time, but it was it's so intense and yeah. the the whole the whole ambiance of that movie itself built up to that moment and just everything. Bam! It's action, and then from there it just un- unravels. It was beautiful. I loved it. Awesome. So. Um, yeah, so my, my favorite scene was a scene from Swiss Army Man this year. It was my favorite scene this year, and it was, uh, the, the montage scene. Uh, there's a song that goes with it. If you want, you can totally check the scene out on, it doesn't spoil anything. It's a really great scene. It's on YouTube. Just type in Swiss Army Man mo- montage, and, uh, you'll be really excited. It's awesome. The music's really great. It's a really, really, really catchy song. And there's a, it's a great sequence of showing them just, uh, having fun together. Like them, uh, you know, he's using him as like a as a cannon, and he's like shooting rocks out of his <laughs> mouth and shooting a javelin out, and then it's like he's he's uh, building a fire with them. And it's just like them just having a really fun time together, and like this beautiful scenery, and they build this like little bus, which is part of the story. I'm not gonna get into it, um, but it's it's absolutely magnificent and beautiful. 
and fun and catchy all at the same time. And it, it was my favorite scene of any movie I've seen this year. So, Alex, yeah, before we got cut off there, what was your uh, what was your favorite scene in a film this year? Sure. Uh, I would have to go with uh, Pee-wee's op- – the opening uh, scene to Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Um, it's kind of a Rube, Rube Goldberg yes device you know he's he's uh, known for doing doing that but i think that they really did a very good job with the whole uh it's um what, what do you call it like um um dollhouse effect where you're right. looking into the house and following him through the house you know he he wakes up he gets pushed into the chair and the, he gets pulled up by the balloon and yeah right it's like the scene from big, the uh, edge of the from big adventure it's like similar kind of with the breakfast very, yeah similar Oh man, it's just so much fun. And then uh, you had mentioned it before. I couldn't. I couldn't decide between this or the balloon scene. Yeah, the balloon scene. Oh man, I had me in stitches. It's uh, what like what a dumb, what a dumb scene. But it's just the the level and the length in which they take that joke that just made me lose it. It's like it's it might be like two minutes long, like nonstop, and it's amazing. It's around that length. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right, and another one real quick here, guys. Just our favorite performances. If you want to just, uh, you know, mention one or two or something that things that kind of stood out to you this year, Sean. Uh, going back, John Goodman. Ten, yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you look at the nominations at this point, I think John Goodman should have just his, – his role in that movie alone. Just – it just – I don't know. It's, to me, you think other role – John Goodman has always given heck of a performances like him in Fallen or it's, you know, of course uh, – Walter Sochek and Big Lebowski, or even him in uh, Barton Fink, probably one of my favorite roles of John Goodman. Yeah, but I mean, he's always great. He just in this, he just he's the whole reason that movie just becomes what it is, and it's great. Not to get into spoilers, but it's the moment when he comes out and he's clean shaven, eating the ice cream. Oh my god, that just had me. I lost oh, it. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, he's ridiculous. It's yeah. so good. What about you, Alex? Um. May not be a popular choice, but again, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally on board a, with that. I'm totally on board with that too. Yeah, he did a great job uh, bringing that character to life. Yeah, and uh, he did a very good job promoting the movie. Yeah, and even even though the movie's well passed, uh, he said if if it had gotten uh, nominated for an Oscar, he would continue. He would make some special movie in the suit, like he or sorry, not uh, some kind of video right, online right. in the suit. Very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so one's real quick I just want to mention. Uh, I, I, like I said earlier, um, um, Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, uh, he does a really good job. He's in like maybe 15, 20 minutes of the movie, and he's awesome. Uh, he's really great. He's been great also, like ever since House of Cards, honestly. I've been like, he's a good actor, and then he was in that, and he was in um, something else he was in this year, too, and I can't, I can't quite think of what it was. But... Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, he was in Luke Cage. Yeah, he's great in Luke Cage. That was what it was. Uh, also, Casey Affleck, uh, he carries Manchester by the Sea. He's oh. he's everything in that movie. It's not a it's it's the opposite of a flashy performance. You know what I mean? It's subtle, but it's the subtleties that make it. It's 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 heartbreaking. You just watch him just just be heartbroken and like the little inconsistent like consistencies of like how he kind of tries to deal with it and just kind of hangs his head. Like it, it may not seem like it's hard something hard to do, but I think like sometimes less is more. And it kind of speaks volumes to what the character's going through and what he's doing. So, yeah. Uh, also, real quick, uh, you mentioned earlier Ben Foster is awesome in Hell or High Water. Oh he was my, gosh. he's, he's, he was my favorite part of that movie. Yeah. And uh, Michael Shannon was in a movie we didn't even mention tonight, Nocturnal Animals. Oh. Um, and he's really great in Nocturnal Animals. Uh, he plays like this deputy guy who's, um, uh, kind of helping out, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Nocturnal Animals. And he's like, just this, like, 
kind of he's like a sheriff who ends up like getting cancer sort of so he like ends up kind of like going rogue to help jake gyllenhaal and he's just like no holds barred and he's just like screw it whatever and he just the things he does it's awesome he's just really yeah. good um, i know you're gonna say elvis Oh, and I was, well, it's funny because I was actually talking to somebody about it. Michael Shannon had a heck of a year. He was in a bunch of films. He was in, Jeff yeah. Nichols came out with two films, Midnight Special, um, Special. and Loving, which neither of we talked about today. That's right. Um, yeah. But he's in both, he's in every Jeff Nichols movie, Michael Shannon. And then he was in, uh, the, yeah, the Elvis uh, Nixon movie. And then he was in a couple other things too. Uh, well, obviously Nocturnal Animals and then uh, something else as well. But he was like in a ton of stuff this year. Um, and then real quick, I think this one's gonna be very straightforward and quick, but, uh, like soundtrack score, your fa- favorite soundtrack or, or score from the year, Alex? <laughs> La La Land. La La Land, yeah. Yep. I know you guys are, you guys are recommending, um, you, you were talking about, um, Sing Street earlier, mm-hmm. and I'm, now I'm really interested in seeing that and want to get that on my, uh, on my Spotify. Yeah, we're gonna both, yeah, yeah, there's, no, I, there's no way I can't say that's, yeah. that's Sing Street without a doubt. It's like, <laughs> right. So, yeah, but, Sing uh, Street. La La Land for the jazz and for, you yeah. Know, yeah, I think La La Land had a really great st- uh, soundtrack uh, and score. Uh, Sing Street, Neon Demon. We didn't. Really, Sean, you mentioned Neon Demon in your in your, in your oh was it number eight or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Neon Demon was a movie that was on my list for a little bit, but it was like very towards the top, and I knew it probably wouldn't make it towards the end because it's it's a very weird film. It's very strange. Um, but the soundtrack, yeah. uh, Neon Demon, is awesome. Oh my god, it's really good. And uh, the set, and like I mentioned earlier, the score and Arrival is also uh, very well done. And then the last thing I want to do real quick here, guys, before we wrap up. Uh, the most anticipated movies uh, for next year, for 2017. So just uh, looking forward a little bit. Obviously, we were already um, a month into 2017 here because we're 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 dragging we're dragging ass here. But move uh, for movies that haven't come out yet or, or coming out. There's a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, Sean, anything that you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking for uh, looking forward to 2018. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest. Is that no. a film? Is that like a like uh, a Wolfgang th- Peterson film? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a uh, really. I have to say, you know. Red letter, red letter media really uh, summed up how I feel about this year's yeah. films, and uh, I have not seen anything that I'm really hyped for because it's just been it's it's the year of remakes. So. I bet I can get you. I bet I have the, one of the movies on my list is one that you will, will be excited for. Well, let's find out. And anyway, see. Well, you're gonna have to wait until Alex yeah. does his. Alex, what do you got? All right. Well, I have you know a lot of them. You're anticipating. I don't have a lot that I'm anticipating, but I do have a few that I'm interested in. And and yeah, they are. Some of them are remakes, but there's there's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Which okay. Is yeah, not. I did hear about that. Yep. That's a Luc Besson film. He did The Fifth Element yep. and the many others. Yep. Uh, and How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which was a short story written by Neil Gaiman. So they're going to bring that to life as yeah, well. Yeah, I heard about that too. That's cool. Very cool. But if I were to... Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, I would also say Logan seems pretty awesome. Yeah. If this is going to be his last, uh, uh, you know, run Supposedly. It, uh, portraying, supposedly that, Wolverine until they offer him like a, an absurd amount of money <laughs> to play it again. Logan but, um, too. When they bring him back from the dead, because I have a feeling he's probably yeah. going to die in this film, but... Zombie Logan. Yeah, Zombie Logan. Yeah, Logan. the like, the movies I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, I, I think I, I I could probably speak for millions of other people, but the new Star Wars movie, um, Episode Eight, yep. The Last Jedi, as we now have a title, The Last Jedi. Who's the Last Jedi? Is it Luke? Is it is it Ray? We don't know. We'll find out. Um, but I, I'm excited for it strictly because Ryan Johnson's doing it, and I I'm, I'm more excited for Episode Eight than I was for Episode Seven. Um, knowing that Ryan Johnson's doing it and handling it, um, and I think they're at a point now where they've established these new characters enough where we can we can stray off of what the loot, the Skywalker story kind of, um, where we're starting to lose characters in real life and in the movies, <laughs> R.I.P., but uh, it doesn't make me any less 
uh, excited. I'm really excited because I love Ryan Johnson. He, he does great stuff. And then um, the movie I'm most excited for this year is finally the return after is it five years. No, uh, it was 2013. So three three years, four, four, four years, give or take. Edgar Wright's new film, Baby Driver. I am oh. so excited for this one. They, they finally started showing some stills of, uh, I forget the name, the, the name of the, the, the kid who's the main actor in it, or the guy or whatever. Um, but, uh, like, Jamie Foxx is in it. Uh, John Hamm's in it. And it's basically, um, uh, from what I understand, there's a ba- very, very basic idea of the story. But it's a kid who um, does he can't hear. He has trouble hearing or he's deaf or something. So he can, he can only hear partially in one of his ears or whatever. And so he drives. He's like a driver for, I don't know, whatever, if they're like a con group or whatever they are. But he, he listens to music for the soundtrack for his own, like, as he drives. Okay. Which sounds awesome. Yeah, huh. that might be interesting. Though. Yeah, and also obviously Edgar Wright has not made a bad film. He makes the best films I think of any person who exists that that makes movies right now outside of Christopher Nolan probably. But yeah, we'll we'll see. And Dunkirk, I think we're all excited for Dunkirk, right? Oh uh, yeah, of course. I mean that's a no no brainer. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys. I know we had a couple of hiccups along the way, getting copyright yelled at, and Alex, we losing Alex on the call, but I appreciate beer burps. Yeah. Beer, beer burps. Uh, beer burps. Yeah. I appreciate everyone uh, who's on Facebook right now listening to us. I really appreciate for you guys listening and everything. And obviously, if you want to listen to a more cleanly put together version of this episode on audio, I will have that ready probably tomorrow or the day after. And you can get that at ajazznetworks.com. Sean, you don't have any social media things, so I'm not even going to bother asking you if you find if you have Twitter. What is is Facebook again? (laughs) What is Facebook? But and obviously, Alex, we could find you at ajazz16. Uh, on Twitter, and then obviously you're also the uh, our, our the the founder of uh, AJS Networks. Obviously, we're we're co- going uh, hand in hand on that. I will plug one thing. Um, is uh, there's a new? This is called Sketch FM. Um, it's not. I'm not really announcing a new show. I'm not announcing anything. But these are going to be remixes of old, some older materials that we've done, and some new. So right now, the first newest, the newest thing we have up there is is called Biter Keg, and this is something that Kyle, you and I had worked on a long time ago, and I am still writing it and still producing and trying to get this thing out. Hey, same thing with the uh, uh, Salinor show. We, I swear to God, I know we talked about this a year ago yes. with the 2015 movies, but they're coming. I swear yes. to God, they're they're close as they've ever been to coming out. Two awesome yep. episodes that were just wrapping up. And they should come out soon. I don't have a date, but soon. This is what I would use. Soon. This is like when you're waiting for Doom 3 to come out. It's or or the next Game of Thrones book. Or, <laughs> or the uh, next. Uh, great, Song the next of Half-Life. Ice and Fire, excuse Could me. Half-Life 3. Half-Life 3, there you go, yeah. The, the, all, those, all those things are coming out this year. They're all, right. the, our, it will be Salinor Show episode, season season 2, um, okay. Game of the w- Winds of Winter, and uh, Half-Life 3 all coming out the same week. So we'll be, excited. <laughs> we'll be excited for that. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, John, Alex, it's been, it's always a pleasure having you guys here and doing this top 10 thing. I look forward to it every year. And I, uh, yeah, wouldn't yeah. be able to do it without you. So I want to appreciate you guys. Thanks and thank for you for coming. Me. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, yeah, thank you for everyone listening. And uh, yeah, take it easy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rambling About Notable Topics. You can find all of our great episodes at ajazznetworks.com which also has a ton of other great content, including crappy comics, Age As Decrypted, beautiful topics, and, of course, The Salinor Show. 
You can follow the official Rant Twitter at Rambling Topics and myself at Kyle Cicillone. You can also listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio.